learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership insight and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, leadership empowerment for women of color. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Kenyetta Marie. Kenyetta Nesbitt, known in the social media realm as Kenyetta Marie, is a growing millennial trailblazer, motivational speaker, and leader. Born and raised in a small rural town in southeast Georgia, Kenyetta is known for her amazing intellectual abilities and zeal for all things education and professional growth. As a millennial innovator in her community, Kenyetta has an extensive history of academic excellence and professional success. She recently graduated from Georgia Southern University with her undergraduate degree. She also possesses an associate's degree in general studies with magna cum laude honors. She manages to gracefully balance academic excellence with her professional tenure in the information technology field, where she is currently employed as a project coordinator. Her spontaneous entrance into the IT field has introduced her to many advanced skills that have sharpened her professional image and knowledge. Over the past five years, she has directly managed customer relations through small and large-scale QA and development teams for various corporate giants, including Panera Bread Company, AARP, Shark Ninja, and Hub Group. This exposure has allowed Kenyatta the opportunities to work directly with companies, many corporate influencers, such as project owners, project managers, and developers in developing cutting-edge products and technologies. Equipped with the professional skills and success gained from the corporate world, Kenyatta now turns to building her brand as a personal and professional development strategist, youth mentor, and motivational speaker. As a strategist, Kenyatta devotes herself to equipping and empowering leaders and professionals for life's opportune moments through the curation of professional documents such as resumes, cover letters, professional biographies, as well as entry-level coaching and consulting. Kenyatta is also dedicated to leading by example and mentoring millennials on the importance of educational and professional development how to break down barriers and stereotypes to excel in those arenas. Her goal is to use her knowledge and experiences to bridge the gap for tomorrow's leaders. Kenyatta is becoming a prominent speaker as her passionate and transparent approach seeks to reach and impact lives for the better. She currently resides in Statesboro, Georgia, and enjoys dedicating her spare time to her family, church, and community. You can follow her journey on social media to keep up with all her current and future entrepreneurial, educational, and professional endeavors. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Kenyatta Marie. Okay, so Kenyatta, I read your bio, and I must say I am inspired by your passion to develop and empower millennials in their quest to be great and succeed via your company services and your mentoring. So kudos to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So Kenyatta, I would like to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on She Leads podcast leadership empowerment for women of color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to share my limited insight and the experiences that I've had that have shaped me into the leader that I am. So thank you so much for inviting me here. 
No problem. Okay, so now let's talk about leadership. So I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Kenyatta? I can agree with that to an extent. I believe that if you are a leader, that's something that comes natural. You know, it's not something that's made. It's something that's born and you hone those skills over time. But I don't necessarily think that everybody is cut out to be a leader simply because there's a lot of things that come with that territory that every single personality isn't able to handle. And that's fine. Everybody, I don't think just because you may not be cut out to be a leader that you aren't an asset to whatever you give yourself to, whether it's a company, a job, your family, your friends, because everybody can't be a leader. You know, everybody can't be a chief. We need some Indians. We need some people who are actually going to follow a leader and actually do what they need to do to push the vision and to get that group where it needs to be. So although I believe, you know, if you have those capabilities, that it's something that's born, I think that some people actually benefit from being a part of the group and being a part of the team. And they actually are more receptive to having a leader versus everybody being a leader. Okay. Thanks for that perspective. So can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? So... I've always felt like being a child growing up, um, if I can just give you a very brief synopsis of my background and my childhood. So I am from a very rural area of Georgia, very small town, no more than 5,000 people live in my hometown. And I grew up in a very economically disadvantaged environment. I was raised primarily by my grandmother. She was a single mother. She had five kids of her own and she also raised all seven of her grandchildren, myself included. So as a kid, I didn't have many opportunities coming from a small town but one thing my grandmother always instilled in me is that you don't have to accept where you came from and you don't have to accept your current circumstances you have power and control to change that so knowing that she instilled that in me and she allowed me to take advantage of everything that I could educationally being involved in school taking my academics seriously she saw the opportunity and she saw the leader in me because she instilled that in me and she helped me to hone that natural ability that she saw within me. So I would have to say my grandmother kind of started it off there and she kind of, she shed that light to me that Kenyatta, you know, you were set apart, you're different, you know, you recall you have a purpose to lead and motivate other people. I see it. She saw it in my interactions and she would encourage me and she would empower me within herself. She would use her own experiences in life and the hardships that she went through to let me know that if she's capable of doing it with her limited resources and her limited opportunities, knowing what I come from and coming from what we call good stock, that she knew I could do so much more than that. So my environment let me know and my grandmother let me know that I was capable of being a leader. And I, I knew that I had those skills to possess, to actually motivate people who came from, who may have come from similar walks for me and motivate those around me. And being my classroom setting also confirmed that throughout school, I was a straight A student throughout primary education. I graduated sixth in my class from high school as an honor graduate. And I just took advantage of every opportunity that I got. And I found in the classroom that I was always the one to volunteer to do something. I was always the one who was always interested in how things work and learning the overall vision, whether it was my 
my teacher's vision, seeing what she wanted the class to accomplish collectively and us students individually. I was always interested in and how could I cultivate that for myself? So it just kind of grew as my grandmother honed my skills at home. The classroom setting also honed my skills as a leader. I always wanted to make sure that everybody else was taken care of, that we were accomplishing goals. And it even spilled over into my friendship. In my circle, I'm known as that leader. I'm known that my friends dub me the CEO because they know <laughs> I'm always going to do whatever it takes. I'm seizing every opportunity. I'm going to make sure all of my friends see their opportunities and that they're motivated and they're empowered. And I try to take, I've learned as I've aged that everybody's different. So I try to take that approach and individualistic approach to leadership. Not everybody is the same. Everybody's personality is different. We may have same traits and similar traits, but the way we approach things and the way we make decisions and we make choices are completely different because as humans, we're all unique. So I use that in my friend circle and I allow it to spill over into the professional world, into my now collegiate education to where when I'm communicating with people who work under me or who have worked for me and have been my subordinates or, you know, even in the educational sector, I've taken it as, you know, they're all different. So I have to meet them at their level. So, I mean, it all started with my grandmother. She met me at my level. I was only one of seven grandchildren. So she didn't treat me like she treated everybody else. I mean, she didn't favor me more, but the way she approached how she disciplined me and how she taught me as her grandchild was not necessarily the same because my personality is different from all of my cousins and my brother. I only have one sibling. So she, I learned that from her and then I was able to see that manifest in school and how my teachers interacted with each student individually, depending on our skills and our capabilities. So I would say that my background and my history and everything that I've been involved with thus far has really honed my leadership abilities. Okay. Thanks for sharing that background and thanks for your grandmother. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my grandmother. Hopefully she'll listen to this. Yes. So, yes. Right. Hopefully. Okay. So in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention of helping others do the same. Kenyatta, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? So my code of leadership, my number one thing that I always communicate to other people, whether or not they come to me for advice or, you know, they're just naturally attracted to me for, you know, whatever reason, because they like the way that I lead or because they like the way that I am and the personality that I exude. I would hope that people would see that my code of leadership is that I have a servant's heart and that I'm teachable. I feel like those are two of your top keys, regardless of what arena you're in, whether or not you're in the professional world, you're in entrepreneur, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a sister, you're a friend, you're a brother, you're a dad, whatever you are, I feel like the top two characteristics for a successful code of leadership, at least for me, is being teachable and to have a servant's heart. When you have a servant's heart, it means that you're not in it for just you. You're not in it for just how you can benefit from a situation or how you can benefit from being placed in an environment. You're about making sure that everyone around you has everything that they need and they're equipped to be successful and you're making sure that every everyone around you, including yourself, is pushing the vision. And I feel like that's what separates leaders from bosses. When you're a leader, you're in the trenches with your team. You're doing, you're doing the work. You're not just giving them directions and expecting them to run with the vision. You're actually running with them and you're leading them. Whenever there's a, a, a gap, you bridge that gap. Whenever you see weaknesses, you try to bridge those weaknesses. You figure out what everybody's strengths are and where they fit. And you make that puzzle. You build the pieces to the puzzle, but you're 
and you're there also when there's failures as well as when there's successes you're always there you're accountable as a servant you're making sure that you're that you're giving you're making sure that you're full and you're whole so that you can give to your team so not only you can be successful as the leader but they can be successful individually and reach that next level of potential and with being teachable, I feel for me, that has contributed to a lot of my success is being humble, having that humility and not feeling like I know it all. I mean, I'm only 23. So of course, that's a huge indicator that, you know, I'm young, I'm a part of the millennial generation. So I do believe that I, I do have quite a ways to go. But my success so far has definitely been contributable to being teachable. I'm always willing to listen. I don't care how young you are, or how much older you are than I am. If you have something good to say, and something that's going to benefit me, whether or not it's constructive criticism, or if it's a positive congratulations or an affirmation, I'm always willing to listen because I understand that I don't know everything and I will never know anything. And none of us will ever know everything that we need to know. Life is a journey. It's not about the destination. So you're going to always have to be teachable. At some point, you're going to have to sit down and accept, you know, this wasn't necessarily the best decision, but appreciate the fact that you have people who God allows to cross your path that can give you those nuggets of wisdom. So you have to be teachable. You can't be, oh, you don't know anything, you know, I'm better than you, or I have these degrees and these titles behind my name, and I've done this, and I've been to this place. That doesn't matter at the end of the day. You have to be teachable, whether you're young, old, middle-aged, whatever you do, from the CEO down to the janitor, you have to always remain teachable regardless of where you are in life. Okay, thanks for that. Yes, I totally agree. And I do wholeheartedly believe in servant leadership and being teachable. So thank you. You're very welcome. Okay, so Kenyatta, I believe all leaders experience failure. I myself don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. But can you share your view on failure and what it means to you? I actually share the same sentiments. And it's very interesting that you say that because I'm actually sitting at my desk in my office here. Um, I work for an IT company. I am a project coordinator. So I am very, very organized. That's one of the things that a lot of people, if you know me, if you truly know who Kenyatta is, you know that I am organized to the T. I am a perfectionist. I'm a very processed, systematic person. So right now, as I'm speaking to you, I am looking at my monitor and my monitor is covered in sticky notes of affirmations. And it's interesting that you said that you don't look at failures as failures. You look at them as lessons because there's one particular sticky note that's on my monitor. It's a pink sticky note and I'm looking at it right now. And it says that there's no such thing as failure, only wins and lessons. You're either going to win or you're going to learn. And that is one of my daily mantras. I wake up every day telling myself, Kenyatta, there is no such thing as failure. There is no such thing as the end of the road when somebody says no. So my outlook on failure is there's no such thing. There's no such thing. If something doesn't work the first time, that's okay. One of the first lessons I learned being in the IT world and being about customer experience and delivering cutting edge products is the fail fast method. So what that means is if something doesn't work or if an idea doesn't work, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Don't feel like it's the end of the world. Don't feel like you just lost the company tons of money. It's okay if something doesn't work the first time. But what you do is you don't stop there. You don't sit there. You don't mull around in your failure in the fact that something didn't work. You take that lesson that came from that attempt. You go back to the drawing board and you figure out an alternate solution. You come back and then you try it again. So I am just like you, Nicole. There is no such thing as failure to me. It's only a win 
or a lesson. And if it's a lesson, that lesson is going to make me a better person as long as I allow it to. If I choose to sit there and feel sorry for myself and woe is me, then nothing's going to come of that. It's just going to be time wasted. But if I take that lesson and I go back to the drawing board and I say, okay, this is how I did it. It didn't work quite well this way. What can I do to make this work to move to the next level? If I take it that way and then I come back to my starting point and then I executed it again with the alternative solution, I guarantee you'll see a different result. So I'm with you, Nicole. There is no such thing as failure to me. We're either winning or we're learning. And there's nothing wrong with winning and there's definitely not anything wrong with learning. Yes, thank you. Yes, and that is one of my mantras as well. Either I win or I learn. And when exactly. you learn, you win too. So it's exactly. like win, right? so it's a win-win situation. You're right. It's a win-win. Exactly. Okay. So Kenyatta, can you share one time you failed as a leader and what you learned from that experience that helped you to become a better leader? Yes, I have many of those lessons, but of course time (laughs) won't permit for me to go through all of that. But I would have to say I had my first stint of leadership in the professional realm. As I mentioned previously, I do work in the IT field. I have been working in the IT field for about five years now. So if you take my current age of 23, subtract five years, you're at about 18, 19-ish is when I got my first opportunity in the IT world. And I remember being the age of 20 and getting my first management position. So in IT, everything is very fast paced. You deal with very, you know, huge clients, multi-million dollar industries, corporations. And I've been blessed to work for quite a few. I've worked for Panera Bread, AARP. So I've gotten to experience quite a bit of what we see as brands, as consumers. So I found myself sitting in a boardroom at the age of 20 with my company CEO, with a lot of senior vice presidents and everybody else who's seasoned in the management world. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this 20-year-old black girl who's a sophomore in college from a small town, how did I end up in this room with all this notoriety? And I remember my first task was to manage a team of about 10 people. And of course, I was afraid. I was like, you know, I've always been responsible for myself. Now I got to be responsible for the failure and success of this entire team. It always on me and being inexperienced and being very ignorant to a lot of the principles that I know now, I didn't understand what it meant to separate yourself as you elevate. So one of the key things about the team that I was managing is it was actually the team that I came from. So I worked as a quality assurance associate on that team with those people. So we were able to develop quite a few friendships working together every day. But then once I got promoted to being a manager, I didn't realize in the beginning that there had to be a separation made in order to become an effective leader. I can't be your friend, but also be accountable to you and hold you accountable as your manager if I'm seeing you as my friend. Because nine times out of 10, when you're seeing somebody as your friend, you're more likely to let things slide when they do something because they're your friend. You're less likely to take offense to certain stuff. But as a manager, you have to consider the overall well-being of the company and to make sure that everybody's doing what they need to do. So one of my first failures as a manager manager was making that separation and learning how to have difficult conversations. There was a particular associate um, and it wasn't ever anything major. I never had, I never ran into any major issues with those who've worked for me. Thankfully, they, there was a mutual respect there, but I ended up having to have a difficult conversation because that particular employee was coming to work late you know, calling out and not using proper channels to communicate that they weren't going to come to work. And when they did, they weren't coming to work 
at their scheduled time. So I'm just like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, they're my friend. Like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, I don't want to lose that friendship. They mean a lot to me. We go to lunch together a lot. You know, I don't want to lose that. So that situation, as small as it may sound, it literally blew out of proportion because I was not knowledgeable in the concept of how to have difficult conversations as a leader and how to effectively get your point across to handle issues and to get everybody back on the right track. So I would have to say that's one of my first lessons. And it's definitely helped me to grow because now now I understand. I use that situation now and I reflect on it when I'm sharing with those who work for me or those who come to me and are interested in a management position. One of the first things I tell them is you're going to have to learn how to effectively communicate and have those difficult conversations. You have to know how to separate yourself as a leader. As you elevate, there are certain people you can't remain on the same level with. There are certain people you have to make that distinction with to where they respect you as a leader, but they understand that they can't just approach you any kind of way. That respect has to be there, that mutual respect both ways. But now I understand what it means to have a difficult conversation. And now it isn't so challenging to me because I don't see it as I'm losing them as a person or I'm losing them as a connection. I see it as I'm pointing something out and I'm bringing something to their attention so that they can groom that and they can get better at that. So we both can get better as a manager and an associate so we can grow together and we can continue to push the vision. So learning how to have difficult conversations not only helps me in the professional realm, but it also helps me in my personal life when I have to have a difficult conversation with my significant other or someone in my family or, you know, my friends. I now know how to approach it. It's not that I'm upset with you or I want to sever a relationship or cause harm. It's that I want us both to be aware of this is the infraction. You know, we need to bring it to our attention so that we can grow together and we can get past this and we can move forward. So I would have to say that was definitely an early lesson that has, that I've been blessed to be able to groom as I've matured in leadership. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. And I definitely agree with everything you said. I actually was just doing some writing toward my book the other day and wrote on that exact same topic. So definitely a That's awesome. Yeah, definitely a skill that is needed as a leader and you know, it's kind of hard to separate, but it's definitely right. necessary. Yes. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Kenyatta, do you feel it's easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why? I would have to say it's a lot more challenging. I won't say harder, but it's a lot more challenging. I'm not a big history person, but I do recall from studying history that there was a period in our, in American history, where women were considered second class and they were expected to stay in the home, you know, be a stay-at-home mom, clean, cook, and make sure everything was taken care of for their husband or their significant other, the male figure in the household, and they weren't expected to get a job or anything. So we went through the feminist movement where women stepped up and they actually carried a voice to say that women could do more than just be confined to the walls of a home. Women could have a job and still take care of their children and their husbands and still maintain a home. I would have to say that there are still some challenges I think we face, but at the same time, I think that we've made so much progress since that time. And I think that women are breaking barriers and shattering stereotypes in the entrepreneurial realm. We're doing things that people never thought we could. We're being as innovative. It's, it's amazing to me to see how innovative things 
are getting as we go from year to year and looking at our past and how women have grown and how women are stepping up into leadership positions and being a CEO. And I know for me personally, I'm a millennial. So the stigma about millennials is, you know, we focus on technology. We are very microwave thinking, microwave oriented. We want things when we want it, how we want it. We don't have a regard for authority. You know, we just want to have fun. That's the general stigma of millennials. But just to see how women my age and women older than me who've paved the way, how they've just shattered those glass ceilings and they've stepped up and they've pushed past society's perspective on how women can be limited to certain things has been amazing. But I can say it can be challenging when you have the stigma that some people say that, you know, males still get paid more than women for doing the same job that a woman does in the professional world. But to see how women don't let that stop them, to see how women can take an idea and bring it to fruition and grow companies and grow millions of dollars in success and giving back to their communities is amazing to me. I do still think that there, we still have a ways to go, but we have to acknowledge those who've paved the way for us. And it's just amazing for me to have the opportunity to be 23 and to say, you know, I'm going to go to school and get a formal education and get an advanced degree. But at the same time, I also want to own my business to be able to f freely say that and to freely work towards that says a lot about how far we've come in America to promoting women entrepreneurship and actually supporting that and to see other women of color, to see people on TV, to hear about people in my local community who are doing things. It's just amazing to me. And it's motivating for me to know that you know, you're never too young. You, you're never too young. You have teenagers who are breaking into the entrepreneurial realm. I know I'm very, very big on social media about being a part of entrepreneurial groups, especially ones that target women and minorities specifically. And I'm seeing an influx of teenagers who are interested. And I'm seeing an influx of adults who are posting in these social media groups, sharing how their children are starting to develop a knack. Their little girls are starting to develop an interest for simple businesses. What we know as adults is simple, but they're starting to develop that interest. And it's amazing how it's trickling down to the younger ages and how it's starting to spark an idea that, you know what, I can do it. I can break the mold. I don't have to sit here and have a nine to five for the rest of my life when I become an adult. I can take that path of entrepreneurship. I can do it. It just amazes me how little children are latching onto that. So I would say, although it has its challenges. We've definitely come a long way as far as women in entrepreneurship. Thank you. I totally agree. We have come a long way and we continue to break those glass ceilings. So thank you. All right. So productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. As a successful leader, this is a must. Kenyatta, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Yes. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that is definitely a hot topic. Productivity. We don't want to, I, my suggestion is don't put yourself in a box and it's something that I struggle with. So it's something that's very, very personal to me. So I, I feel like I'm currently in that phase where I'm trying to figure out creative ways 
to still allow my brand to grow as the millennial strategist? And what can I do? Because like I mentioned, I come from a small town. I'm a senior in college. So I'm a college student with some college debt. So I have some obligations there, some financial strains that prevent me from doing everything that I want to do on the scale that I want to do it. But I'm a firm believer that if something is a part of your purpose, and if you've been called by God to do that, that he's going to make ways and he's going to open doors and he's going to allow you to make connections that will present those opportunities to you. So my advice would be to be creative. You don't have to have everything in place. A very seasoned entrepreneur shared some really great advice with me a couple of months ago. And they said that opportunity doesn't die if you don't take advantage of it. If you allow your opportunity to pass you by, that opportunity is just going to move to the next person who's ready and willing. So I say that to say, you may not have all of the financial assets that you need. You may not have all of the physical things that you need, that you feel like you need to get your business started. But don't let that stop you. Networking is a huge key to growing your brand. That has been huge for me. As a matter of fact, that's actually how we connected on social media for this podcast opportunity was the fact that I trusted myself enough and I had the courage to step outside of the box and actually reach out when I saw you posting that you were interested in getting interviewees for this podcast. At the time, I was just like, how am I going to get myself out there? You know, how am I going to get different audiences outside my local community to know who the millennial strategist is? So I encourage your listeners and your viewers Everyone who's listening to this, be creative. Everything doesn't require money. Don't allow the the financial aspect to stop you. You may not have a certain dollar amount that you feel like you need to get yourself to the next level, but that's okay. Networking will open those opportunities where people will invest in your brand. If you have a solid brand and they see the dedication and they see the passion and they see that you're pushing and they they can make a connection with your personal story and why you do what you do, that's enough to open huge doors that will transform your brand and that will transform your life. You don't always have to have that dollar amount. It's okay. Your idea may not be perfect, but keep pushing that passion and that zeal that you have for getting yourself out there. And as long as you can build a connection and people can connect with why you do what you do and what it is that you offer, that's all that you need. You just need creativity and networking. Don't be afraid to get out there and introduce yourself. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what you have is important to the world. We need what you have. And that doesn't always come with having a certain dollar amount or having everything perfect. Just get it out there. We need what you have. The world needs what you have as an aspiring entrepreneur, as a current entrepreneur, as a seasoned entrepreneur. We need those ideas that are in your brain, that are in your mind. We need those motivational speeches. We need those things that you stay up at midnight writing about. We need those dreams and those aspirations. But if you don't communicate that, and if you don't network that with other people, and you don't share that with other people who have the means to assist you to get to where you need, you're going to always stay stuck at square one. So don't feel like you have to have a certain financial number in the bank. Don't feel like you have to have a certain physical connection or be in a certain physical place or have a certain notoriety. If you're willing to network and make the necessary connections, you have exactly what you need in your possession to be successful. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. That was very inspiring. Thank you. No problem. Okay. So, Kenyatta, can you share an experience that either blessed or challenged your leadership and tell us about the outcome or takeaway that you learned? 
Yes, I can. So I have many, (laughs) many, many, many experiences, again, that I can share. But I'll share one that's most recent. So I'm going to say I'm finishing my last semester at the Georgia Southern University, Eagle Nation. No Southern and no place else. (laughs) But I am in my last semester uh, working on my bachelor's in psychology. And back in... August, I unexpectedly had to leave my job where I was a service manager. I was managing upwards of 50 people and I unexpectedly had to leave my job to relocate closer to the university that I now attend. So at the time, I'm like, you know, I built up so much notoriety. Those I work with respect me. I've made so many connections in the corporate world. What am I going to do now? Like, I feel like, okay, God, you're pulling the rug out from under me. I'm finally at a place where I feel like I'm successful. I'm balancing school. I'm balancing work. I'm building connections for after graduation. And then this happens. I have to quit my job. So I'm wrestling with that and I'm like, okay, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you because I know that you don't allow anything to happen that's not in your will. So I understand that if I'm facing this decision, that it is all a part of my purpose. So I left my job. I moved closer to the university. I didn't have a job. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I hated the fact that I was leaving leadership because I love working with people, love leading people. And now I was just walking into the dark. I didn't know what I was going to do. Wasn't sure if I was going to be working in fast food, retail, what I was going to do. But this amazing company that I work for now reached out to me and offered me this great opportunity. And it came with a lot of time and unsure moments. And I'm not sure if they really like me. I submitted my resume, but I don't know. You know, I'm up against people who have degrees, who have names and titles and years of experience. And here I am. I'm just a senior undergrad student, you know, don't even have, just have an associate's degree, no crazy experience in IT. But to make the long story short, I was connected to very excellent company, very excellent group of people that has actually allowed me to hone my leadership skills like never before. I've learned so much here in almost six months that I've learned my entire adult life. And all of it was a result of me actually stepping out and leaving what was familiar to me and actually walking into something that was a part of my purpose. And God taught me in that moment that everything that he has for me is outside of my comfort zone. My previous job was my comfort zone. I had gotten comfortable with leadership. I had gotten comfortable with the skills that I had gained to where it wasn't fruitful and it wasn't playing a big role and it wasn't benefiting who I'm destined to be. At some point, I became stagnant. I became comfortable with the people who were familiar with me. We were moving along. We were doing what we needed to do, but I was no longer being challenged. So God had to move me outside of my comfort zone and into a comfort zone with new challenges that would push me as a leader and push me to that next level. And I have gained so much in being here in the little over four months that I've been here that have really equipped me with what I need to be successful as a leader at the next level. So I'm very, very grateful for this experience. It's been a crazy six months, but I'm glad that things are starting to stabilize again and I'm moving closer towards graduation. But that has definitely blessed me as a leader. And the things that I'm learning here are definitely going to be advantageous to me as I grow as a leader. That's awesome. 
Thanks for sharing that. And I totally agree with you. I have a few different, I'm like you, I have uh, affirmations via post-it notes. Right. (laughs) And one of of mine says, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. And I like the other saying that says nothing grows in comfort zones. So I totally, totally, totally agree with you there. Okay. All right. So Kenyatta, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader? and tell us how you implemented it into your life? Yes. So I have received some great advice over time, and it's hard to choose between one as I cycle through affirmations that are so important to me. So I'm going to try to offer you a few and kind of intermingle them together if that's okay. Sure. So one of the most important pieces of advice on one of my sticky notes around my monitor is don't ever let someone tell you that where you are is menial. God is working behind the scenes for your good. So don't ever despise small beginnings. Don't ever allow someone on the outside looking in on your situation, wherever you may be as an entrepreneur, as a professional person in the corporate world, or punching a nine to five. Don't ever allow someone who's on the outside looking in to tell you that where you are doesn't matter and to tell you that you're not going anywhere because God loves small beginnings and God takes small beginnings and he blossoms them into so many great success stories. And Michelle Obama is actually one of my role models. And I admire her grace and her poise and the way that she's able to carry herself as a leader and as our former first lady of the United States. And if you know anything about her story, you know, she came from Chicago, very similar background to myself. She's worked very, very hard for where she's gotten. She's gotten, you know, notoriety for her education, her advanced degrees and what she does and all that she stands for. And it reminds me of never despising small beginnings. Never feel bad about where you've come from, where your start has been, because your start doesn't determine your ending. Your start never determines your ending. So don't allow people on the outside looking in to tell you that you can't do something because of your current situation or your past situation or your family situation. Don't ever allow that to stop you. And also remember that elevation and promotion is going to come with sacrifice. What are you willing to lose in order to gain? I ask myself that every day, Kenyatta, what are you willing to lose in order to gain what you need to continue to flourish in your purpose? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to accept? What are you willing to put out there and trust that God is going to grow that? So I ask myself that every day. So as an entrepreneur, as a professional, as a student, as a stay-at-home mom, as a wife, as a sister, whatever your role is in your own personal life, ask yourself, what am I willing to lose in order to gain that next level? And finally, I want you to remember that you can. One of my sticky notes here is in all caps, and it says, I can, God is with me. And I remind myself that every day I can do anything that I put my mind to because God is with me. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4 and 6, I believe, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as long as God gives me the grace to wake up every day and gives me the grace to be able to dream and gives me the grace to be able to have a passion for what I have a passion for, then I know that I can do whatever it is I set my mind to because I know no matter what hardships I walk through, God is right there with me. And I know that as long as my desires match his will, that he's going to make sure that I have everything that I need to be 
successful. Whatever hardships that requires, it's going to make me stronger. I look at everything that comes at me as a method of making me stronger. You can't get me down because this is my purpose. And when you're called to do something, only you can stand in your way. So I always remember that you can. And if I can give you one word to always remember, remember the word kairos. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this word, but it's an ancient Greek word and it means opportunity, season, or fitting time. For me, it means appointed time. My pastor told me a few months ago when he spoke to me, he said, Kenyatta 2018 is going to be your year of Kairos. And that word, that word Kairos was confirmed through so many different people. I had received that word so many times from not only my pastor, but other prominent people who knew nothing about me, know nothing about my story, know nothing about my vision, my purpose, what my desire is as an entrepreneur. But that word kept coming up in conversation. And I see God manifesting that word. I am now walking in my appointed time. And to all of your listeners, Nicole, you all are walking in your Kairos. This is your opportune time. And as the millennial strategist, that's where my mission statement comes from. I help leaders and those who are aspiring entrepreneurs to embrace life's opportune moments by preparing them for that and making sure that they know within their self that they have the potential. They have what it takes to succeed. So Nicole, you're walking in your Kairos. All of your viewers are now walking in your Kairos. So you hold your head up high and you walk with the grace. You walk with the courage, you walk with the fearlessness that you need to take your territory and to make an impact on this world. Like I said, we need what you have. There's never been anybody like you before you, and there will never be anybody like you after you're gone. There's only one you. So embrace your Kairos because there's never going to be another person like you. There's never going to be another idea as good as yours, as individual and as unique as you are. This is your Cairo, so embrace it. No one can take that from you. That is so awesome. Thanks. I feel so inspired. You're welcome. <laughs> really? That was great. All right. Well, Kenyatta, you made it to the finish line. How awesome. do you feel? I'm excited. It's been amazing to share with you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that you've embraced the millennial strategist. You've allowed me to come on and share my experiences, my journey. And I pray that something that I have said has pricked your hearts and has encouraged you to go a little bit further, to push a little bit harder. We're all in this together. It's all about teamwork. Even though I may be hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away from you. I'm sending you positive vibes, positive light. I'm with you. I'm pushing for you. I'm pushing for all of us as women to break those barriers and shatter those stereotypes to let them know we're here to stay. We're here and there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. And I definitely feel those positive vibes. So thanks for sharing. So Kenyatta, again, I want to thank you for being my guest on She Leads Podcast, Leadership yes. Empowerment for Women yes. of Color. Yes. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information? Or yes. Yes, 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 Product services? Yeah, go ahead. So I primarily focus on professional and personal development in the area of professional development. I do write resumes, cover letters, any professional content that you need to polish your image, to set you apart in that professional professional realm. I am your girl. I am the millennial strategist. You can follow me. My personal Facebook is Kenyatta Marie. 
My brand Facebook is The Millennial Strategist. I'm also a public speaker, motivational speaker. I share at women's conferences, empowerment conferences. I share with youth, youth conferences. I'm also getting into some training on the professional level, training and leadership. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am Kenyatta underscore Marie. I'm also on Twitter. It's K Marie. I look forward to connecting with you guys. If you want to hear more from me, follow me on Facebook. Again, it's the Millennial Strategist. Or you can even send me a friend request on my personal page. I'm very, very friendly. I'm excited. So you can follow me and add me at Kenyatta Marie on Facebook as well. And I cannot wait to connect with you guys. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed this interview with Kenyatta. I love Kenyatta's servant heart, which can be seen in her mentoring and passion to empower those within her influence. Kenyatta's advice to make sure everyone around you is equipped for success and not just to be in it for yourself is what servant leadership is all about. Kenyatta is also proving that the me, me, me stereotype about millennials is not all-inclusive, which I admire. Pouring into others has a dual effect, which equates to a win-win situation for all involved. When you give, you receive immensely more in return, which is why servant leaders are successful. I can relate to Kenyatta's optimistic mindset. In most situations, I choose to look at the brighter side of all experiences. I agree with Kenyatta's stance of everyone walking in their kairos. I also believe that there's an appointed time for everything, and we are all where we are supposed to be in life. As Kenyatta mentioned, life is about the journey, not the destination. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. My takeaway for this week is Kenyatta's advice to not despise small beginnings. Being a person with big goals and aspirations, this can be a tough concept to grasp at times. As Kenyatta stated, your start does not determine your ending. This makes me think about the many great and large corporations such as Amazon, Apple, and Disney that started in garages. I am inspired to embrace my humble beginnings and look forward to my blueprint ending. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. My leadership challenge for you would be to think about the one thing you can take away from this episode and adopt into your life. I know it's hard to absorb too much information at one time, and it's even harder to try and implement too many changes at once. When I attend trainings or listen to podcasts, I aim to walk away with at least one thing that stuck out to me and one way that I can change as a result. I challenge you to do the same. If you decide to take me up on my challenge, I would love to know about your key takeaway. If you care to share, please go to my blog on NicoleWalker.net and leave your comment under the section for today's episode, which is Leadership Empowerment with Kenyatta Marie. Thanks, and until next time, be empowered and empower on.